from the West Coast to the East. This is the Coast to Coast NBA podcast. I'm Dylan. And I am Chalanga. I'm sure all 10 of you are wondering, why is Dylan speaking so much at the beginning of this podcast? Can Chalanga come back? And <laughs> that's just not the case. He can't come back because this is a special episode. Chalanga, how is your bracket? I am still in first place in my work uh, in my work bracket, $175 on the line. Although I pretty much only have Virginia, Duke, and Michigan State left in the tournament. So my hopes are uh, on the downturn. I'm not sure about it. Yeah, I'm <laughs> fucked because I got the Gophers going all the way. Yo. And today we have a special guest. Speaking of the Gophers, we have a special guest all the way from Wyzetta High School. The Wyzetta High School media mogul himself. He was president of the WHS Tackle Football Turkey Bowl Club and captain of the Plymouth Pirates intramural baseball team. It's our brand new field reporter, Kyle Beast Mode Stuff. Hey, 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 what's going on, boys? Thanks for having me. Welcome to the pod. to be here. (laughs) It is truly an honor, and I'm not just saying that. I know your bracket's busted because you had the Gophers going all the way like I did. That's right. I was riding Jordan Murphy all the way to the promised land, baby. <laughs> I don't want to uh, hear details. Yo, I'm going to say right now, uh, if Jordan Murphy hadn't gotten hurt, we would be in the Final Four right now. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Never question that. Never. No way. Uh, so, Kyle and I go way back. We go way back to high school. Um, as I was saying, Kyle was a journalism phenom in high school and went on to major in it in college. How does it feel getting back on the horse, Kyle? You know, it feels really good. Um, You know, as I like to say, I like to say that I was ahead of the curve. I got out of fake news before it was fake news. And, uh, but that said, all in all fairness and all joke aside, I do love the profession and there's nothing more that I like, uh, you know, than breaking down a good game or, uh, or reading a good lead in a newspaper it's in my blood baby let's go (laughs) it's never too late never too late no i like i like that it's in your blood that's nice so would you say that since you're a timberwolves fan would you say that you bleed like lime green or even more of a bleed like deep blue type of person purple it's all purple baby (laughs) you know i definitely i try to stay fair and balanced um not to call fox news, fox news. <laughs> but <laughs> i do try see unlike some other networks um i try to keep it <laughs> i do try to keep it fair um and i i i think for the purple yeah i definitely uh live and die with the purple but i try to keep it keep an objective eye on the clubs here okay. and i i call them out when they need to be called out uh, there's one team particularly uh in the nba that does need to be called out from time to time in this town as you both know and that's the phoenix oh yeah 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 (laughs) um not to say that there aren't others because there are just just so you know beast mode uh fox news it did not work well in the focus groups for the coast to coast podcast (laughs) (laughs) yeah they didn't like Um, it well good (laughs) it didn't focus group that well i mean surprisingly not too bad but not very well Talk to us a little bit about um, your experience with journalism, and then we'll get into our our history uh, as teammates. Absolutely. So, you know, well, actually, I mean, I'll go back to high school. As Dylan mentioned, I used to man the sports desk. Uh, I my biggest claim to fame in high school was naming myself Beast Mode Stowe. Right? There's nothing better than a nickname that you give yourself. Right? Don't even get it from nothing, buddy, but- anybody. I thought I you got it from jersey. I thought you got it from Marshawn. Well, yeah, I did. I mean, I, I technically stole it. Hopefully, he doesn't have a trademark on that thing. I guarantee you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I made a jersey. I went to a thrift store and I got a jersey, and then I printed Beast Mode Stow on the back of it, and I wore it to football games. And somehow, you know, uh, the legend of Beast Mode grew and. Uh, it ended up being a name I adopted on TV and the, and the school news. Um, you, Beast Mode Stowe was self-adopted. Uh, self-adopted, <laughs> exactly. And you know, I I always thought it was can't miss TV, right? No matter what you're doing, put your homework away and and uh, listen to Beast Mode Stowe. 
then I went to the University of Minnesota, the one and only, mm-hmm. right? Seven-time national champion in uh, college football, right? Uh, who can say that? <laughs> uh, wrote on the Minnesota Daily. Uh, I actually didn't write sports. I covered student government, um, among other things. Uh, very exciting stuff. Yeah, you know. When you're an ink-stained wretch, you got to learn how to cover lots of different beats. But that said, I did intern at K-Fan, the one and only, uh, you know, always love that one. For those of you that are K-Fan rubes back here in Minneapolis um, and are listening, you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, so I dabbled in sports, a little bit of A-section stuff, but uh, here I am now out of journalism but hey, still very much connected to you know the what? profession asexual stuff definitely focus grouped very well on this podcast uh <laughs> so all Sounds. the way back in high school uh <laughs> um beast mode and our friend eric fung needed to have a coach because uh their coach from the previous years who happened to be cooper radke's father made them practice and they wanted absolutely none of that and I offered my dad up to coach the team, uh, and in turn, they would have to actually play me. Um, and the deal ended up working out. I ended up playing, and my dad was basically just there to hang out with us while uh, we just had fun and laid in the sun and played baseball. How was your experience with that, Stowe? Yeah, you know, well said. I like to say, so the fir- the very first game, it uh, we played the the hated Yankees. Do you remember that, Dylan? Oh yeah, were they the all Yankees? the JV people? Yeah, they were like kids that had played for Wyzetta High School. Like um, maybe there were a few JV kids. There were the you know some kids that had previously played uh, you know at a high level, and then there was a bunch of ragtag scrubs you know at the Pirates. Um, but we had heart and we played them tough. And I think we actually came up short. It was like a close game, 4-2. But um, basically, after that, it gets a little hazy. I have two memories. One is, I remember, I believe it was you, went up to bat with a t-ball bat called the La Amiga. And, and, and instead of grabbing the handle, you grabbed the barrel of the bat and went up there. And took a few hats before oh boy. Um, sitting back down after a three-pitch strikeout. The other uh, memory, I think it might have been you in, too. I in my defense, someone... the 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 handle was as wide as the actual as the bat itself. Fair, absolutely, yeah. If you had gotten a hit off that thing, my gosh, it would have dragged you around in a king's chair. It was um, it was a birthday gift that I got <laughs> uh, from Mike Gabbert. And it was a pink bat that was called La Amiga. It was amazing. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. No, where would we be without the La Amiga? Do you know? Seriously, do you know what? What also I remember? Uh, I believe that team threw me an underhanded pitch, and I got a hit off of them because of it. I think so. I think so. <laughs> and that was that was. Yeah, you're bringing it back. I think I do remember that now. Yeah, and and, uh, and I danced all the way to first base. I, I taunted everyone anytime I got an actual hit, which is always a barely hit. It was just a bloop right right um right over the shortstop. And I'm left handed, so yeah. I was I was a little slow on every pitch. <laughs> Too funny. But I yeah. also remember somebody went into the field and without a glove. <laughs> just barehanding it. That just like the old days. <laughs> that was probably Reen. That was I was just like, wow. At a <laughs> I don't think there was an opportunity for a catch, but if there had been and they had caught it, that would have been some stuff of legends. <laughs> we'll say that. Uh, other highlights. So my dad was called Coach Koo. Now he's flipped the mascot for uh, the Coast to Coast NBA podcast. That's his real name. Shouts to Flip. I, we actually call him Flip, so it's not just that he happens to share a name with the greatest coach in Timberwolves history. But uh, my dad famously asked when halftime was, I believe. Uh, to the umpire and kept calling him hey ref <laughs> he would hey, not relent coach Koo knew his x's and o's though let's be <laughs> honest that guy was drawing up some crazy designs in the infield i don't know i think we had like a couple of third basemen a couple of right fielders oh my goodness throw a guy between second and short guy was innovative he was a genius you know, he's like the brad stevens of the 
Plymouth uh, Rec League that we played in. Yeah, it was great stuff. Dylan, your dad seems like the most supportive person on the planet. Like, just oh. all in for whatever his loved ones are into. He's just there for it. Even if he doesn't his, know anything about it, he's there. I, I will say his heart is always 100% in the right place. And I will also say on top of that, his mind is 100% in the wrong place 99% of the time. <laughs> I had to... Before the Warriors game, I was like, Dad, you know who the Warriors are, right? He's like, no, I don't. I'm like, you've listened to every podcast more than once. Like, he's literally listened twice, and he doesn't know who Steph Curry is. So uh, there's there's a lot to love, and there's a lot to learn. I don't know if we've ever said Steph Curry's name on this podcast, though. Have we not? But still, like, you got to know Steph Curry. You got to know Steph. Got to know Steph. <laughs> who? Who are you talking about? Uh, All right, mode. We know you're an expert in this field. Wait, Chalenga, did you want to say something? Yeah, I want to start talking about the wolves, Dylan. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Kyle, you obviously grew up in Minnesota. You've been a Wolves fan since you were a young kid? Absolutely, yeah. Since I watched Mark Mad Dog Madsen, (laughs) Trenton Hassel, Tom Gugliotta. We got a real Seth Wolves fan Marbury, over here. And, of course, KG. Yeah, I know mean, I could go on and on. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. All right. That's good. So my first, my first, first Wolves question is, this is this is my judgment of every Wolves fan. What are your thoughts on Andrew Wiggins? Mm, wow. I mean, it's a good, it's a good uh, question and obviously something that's a hot topic here in Minneapolis right now. And I think what was once a 50-50 uh, – debate has really become quite one-sided now and i think even andrew wiggins apologists at this point it's really hard to look at that guy this year and say uh you know and have much hope right now and uh you know there's a lot of hot takes you know a lot of folks that think we should be sitting him on the bench and having him come off as a six man some people who think with that kind of contract you should um let the guy play at least and get some clock I think it's frustrating with him because you look even this weekend, you know, against the Sixers and um, against the Warriors, he played all right, but he's just, it's just the inconsistency for a player that's in his fifth year now. It's just, um, it's difficult and it's tough to watch. I've, you know, his, I think what it really comes down to at the end of the day, he's just not a good shooter. And you got you need your wing to be a good shooter. And I would love to see him go to the gym, you know, this offseason and take a thousand shots a day. I don't know. He doesn't really seem to care. I think that's part of the problem here. Uh, but it, it, it's 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 difficult right now to to see him um, long term as a part of this franchise based on how it's gone so far. What do you guys think? What's what's I, your thought? I, I always want to let go of Andrew Wiggins, like about a billion times this year. But then the OKC games happen, yeah. And and then these last six games, I just want to give a little bit of stats here. He's been over twenty points each of the last six games, so he's averaging twenty-two points a game. He's averaging six rebounds and over three assists. Like, if you can play like that, that's what we want to see. But it's yeah. just that he's so inconsistent. And to have that out of a starter, um, it's just not possible. And I would love to move him to the bench. But I don't think that he's meant for the bench either because he's such a high-volume guy. So I've said this on the pod right. before that, like, maybe there's just no place for him because he's such a hot and cold uh, shooter and such a hot and cold, like, effort person too that it's just – there's no place for you. You, you need to be uh, playing pickup basketball on a New York basketball court or something. Like, you could be a star over there. In, um, but I, I don't know if there's a place in professional basketball for that. Maybe in China. I don't know. You know, it's, it's crazy because if, if you pair Towns with a 22-6-3 guy, if that was Andrew Wiggins, this team, like, the, the Wolves would be in the playoffs. The, like, there was, there was no question mm-hmm. that if you pair Towns Easily. with someone who can – do that statistically every night. I mean, the, the Wolves would be four or five seed, you know, likely. Uh, and and so to see that he's got that potential and that ability, 
like time and time again, we've seen that as Wolves fans. He just he'll, he'll show up for games and be like, "Holy shit, this is the number one overall pick that we traded Kevin Love for." Uh, but you're right, the inconsistency. I and I've never heard any reports of Andrew Wiggins being a gym rat, being obsessed with getting better, being like constantly focused on improving his game, which worries me. You know, in five years of being in the league, there's never been any reports of like. This dude is a like a, a student of the game, trying to you know get better every year. Plus, he's got a kid now, you know that he like <laughs> he's posting on Instagram pics of his kid all the time, and it's just like there's not a lot of places to go from here. I'm a fan of athletes when they when they do have kids though, because I feel like they bring it to the next level where where there's like this fatherly instinct where they just start thinking I have to support my family, so I have to play harder. But he's already got the contract, I guess. Yeah. He's got the contract. Right. I think the thing that bugs me the most about him, though, is like, so if you're not going to score, you're not, you're not going to shoot well, that's fine. But then do something else, like play defense <laughs> mm-hmm. or, you know, make an effort to facilitate somebody else's offensive game. It's just like, just like, you know what? If I'm not going to shoot well, I'm just not going to do anything tonight. It's, it's that, you know, that's what makes a good player is when you're, when you're not hitting on one thing, you're compensating by picking it up in the other place. And that's where, you know, a guy like Robert Covington really shines is the dude when he's, if he's having an off shooting night, you know, you're going to see a great defensive effort. Absolutely. Um, and Wig just doesn't bring that to the table. And you know, what's even more frustrating is that at, at six foot eight with a seven foot wingspan and that type of athleticism, the defense is 100% an effort thing. It's one. He's got the athletic. He doesn't need to be a, like a super, you know, mentally all there defender. He doesn't need to be that because he's got the athletic ability to make up for any defensive mistake he makes if he puts in the effort. And it, the effort's just not there. Right. Yeah. It's so weird too. Like coming out of Kansas, one of the things that people touted about him was that he was like a plus defender already. Exactly. And it's just so weird. He's like gotten worse as. The years have gone on. It's just bizarre. It's the regression since the third year. It's amazing how much he's regressed. Because I remember at the end of that third year, everyone was assuming that he'd be signed. If we just decided to sign him at the end of that third year, we'd have Wiggins on a good deal. That's what that's what my like after the end of yeah. the fourth year. I mean, because um because we decided to sign him right before Jimmy Butler gets there. Why not wait, Glenn Taylor? Instead of like say, oh, I heard him say that he's gonna try really hard for this hundred fifty million, so he's worth it. Look me in the eye. Yeah. Look me in the eye. But Isn't that like, what he said? and guess what? He was worth that money back then. But you need to wait to see if he's gonna be worth it when you have a playoff team and and reconvene there. It was just such a stupid like, uh, jump the ho- or jump the shark kind of move. Um, but but yeah. So the reason why we really have beast mode on is not to talk about Andrew Wiggins, but he was at the game on yes. Friday night. Yes. The the greatest win of this miserable, miserable season. Beast Mode, what was the what was the atmosphere like in Target Center and how many Steph Curry jerseys were there just by a head count? <laughs> you know, it was an awesome atmosphere. And it's one of those games that just makes you hopeful as a Timberwolves fan that one day again, here we are, look, one year ago we were all like, I mean, the train was humming along. Like we had a super team. We had Butler. We, we had towns. We had, I think even a year ago, the, the, the vibe on Wiggins was much better. And then, you know, look at this year and how things have just changed. And it's been, you know, a rough winter here, but going to the game again on, on, on Friday, it just reminded you, you know, this is a good basketball town. And when things are good, things are good. And as long as we have Cat, there is hope. Uh, you know, and it was awesome, too. You mentioned Curry. There were lots of Curry jerseys, lots <laughs> of bandwagon fans. I would have loved to go on around and taken a quick poll on uh, five years ago. Can you name one player on the Warriors? Um, it probably would not have been uh, very high. Uh, and, you know, the, that's what I also liked about that game, too, though, is like, the Warriors had their A team out there at the end of the game. I mean, they now you could say maybe they were, you know, were not given a hundred percent, but there were no injuries. They had their A squad out there at the end of the game. And 
the Wolves, like, you know, what, B team, and not maybe C team, Jared Bayless, uh, you know, uh, maybe he should be on the max, honestly. What did he do? <laughs> he went off that game, but uh, yeah, it was awesome to see. It was fun to see. MVP Jared Bayless. Uh, <laughs> I, I love that take. As you know, I always am a fan of when the little guy can take down the one percenters. Um, that's a, that's a big theme on our podcast is I just want to take down the Warriors because right now the NBA is boring and just little wins like this. Give me a sliver mm-hmm. of hope that they're going to be taken down. Right on. Yeah. You have to feel like that. Um, you have to feel like that after a game like that, that there is, there absolutely is. There's just, there's been something about this year about the Warriors. It's, you know, really from day one back when Draymond's been a little, Day-Day's been uncensored, you know, a little bit this year, Boogie, that whole vibe has been odd. You know, there's been some infighting this year. And you wonder, you just wonder if maybe this is the year that something might go wrong later in the playoffs with this with this squad. Because there have been quite a few sketchy performances this year by your Warriors squad. <laughs> It's it's crazy to to think that, and then the the part that gets me is that I always come back to remember. Oh wait, they added another All NBA player to their team, and so it's crazy that now this Warriors team with five All NBA caliber players in their starting lineup, now this is the team that's vulnerable. This is the team that this you know this is the year that they could get beat, which like. Based on their regular season performance, yes, but let's remember that the playoffs are a different animal, and the Warriors <laughs> are stacked more than they've ever been as far as their starting lineup goes. I guess their bench is worse than ever, but how much does that really matter in the playoffs? Yeah, no. I think this could be a really big statement year for the league and the statement year for basketball in saying that like basketball is not about stars. It's about ball movement and it's about sharing, and it's about chemistry. And I think that'd be great. So the Clippers are going to win. You're saying the Clippers are going to win the (laughs) – Oh, God. Oh, yeah. That's another conversation for another day. Oh, my God. So, Beast Mode, what was it it like being in the arena watching Josh Okogie have his Shabazz game? <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. I mean, it was what was really cool about that game is there were the unlikely heroes, right? Cad did not have a good game. I think he finished with like 15 points, but he was he a non factor. and 8, I believe. He was. And he really came on in the fourth, you know, when you needed him, but he was really for the first three quarters a non factor. And I think they were down like 20 in the third. Yeah, they came back from 19. And then they started this nice little run and led by whom other than Jared Bayless, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, uh, Arizona Wildcat great, uh, Jared Bayless, the key to the Jimmy Butler trade. Uh, (laughs) And and you had Gorgie out there. I think Gorgie had a little, had a nice game. Yeah. uh, At the end of the day. Pete Petey said that uh, Gorgie's the most efficient Timberwolf since February. What's what? going on? <laughs> so weird. And like then like Anthony Tolliver, who who you know who couldn't even sniff the court for the first half of the year, is just getting all this clock. But anyway, all those guys you know went out there, and it was weird too because I'm also of the perspective that like with Tyus, play him. You know, let's see what we got. Uh, and it was kind of frustrating for me to see, like, okay, why are we playing Jared Bayless? Tyler Tyus should be out there. Uh, but then it's just, like, the inner fan. It's like, whatever, if Jared's going to bring us to victory, whatever we need to do to beat the Warriors. Jared was playing great. Leave him out there. The one thing we can uh, count on, every March, we can beat the Warriors. Yeah, and they did, and they did. And there were some crazy calls at the end of that game. I'm, you know, some calls that, we might have got a little lucky on. I think that the inbound to Durant, if for those of you that watched, I think with there was like four seconds left, and uh, Durant shot a three pointer, and there was questions whether the foul uh, was on uh, Bates Diop, I believe, was guarding him, and whether the it was in the act of shooting or not. They called it just on the floor, and so the Wolves had a foul to give, and then the, they ended up getting the ball back. And then 
went down the court. The Wolves then went down the court. I think they were. I think the game was tied at that point. Yeah, I thought Curry, then, Curry made it after that. Anyway, he did. He? Yeah, he made. Yeah, I skipped a little bit. Yeah, yeah. He actually so, made a corner three. And and I just want to preface all of this by saying, or not preface, but like say that what happened before this, Josh Okogie had the exact same non-shooting foul called. Like he ended up yeah. being two two free throws, but it wasn't in the act of shooting. He would have had three free throws, and I think that it was right about the exact same timing. If you ask me, I I thought that Okogi might have been in the shooting motion at at that point. So it's just like I know we got a little bit of an easy uh, whistle, but I do think that there was some discretion, and it's like, uh, but anyway, keep going. Yeah. So anyway, so then we go down, and you see Anthony Tolliver. Uh, again, another Wolves great throws a beautiful lob pass, uh, and with a half a second left, Durant and Cat are going up for it, and the foul, the whistle's blown on Cat, or excuse me, on Durant. Cat goes to the line, and that was the game. Uh, we win, and I think it was front line or front page uh, article on ESPN hearing Kerr and. Durant and Curry go off on the ref, so it was just delicious. I loved it. So good. I ate it up. Uh, and it was a beautiful thing. But um, yeah, no, I'll take it. I'll take a win's mm-hmm. win. And uh, and it definitely was a little excitement in what otherwise has been kind of a boring end of the season. I was gonna say about the officiating, I think Dave Benz, our our hero at the Coast to Coast NBA Benzie. podcast. We love him. He put it mm-hmm. best in a tweet today. You know, he said, I'm tired of talking about the officiating. At the end of the day, the Warriors gave up a 19-point lead, and so you can't blame them losing the game on the officiating. They should have just, like, if you give up a 19-point lead, like, fuck it. It doesn't matter. It's all random at that point anyway because you let that... You let that go. You you had the game. You're the best team in the NBA. You should have held a 19-point lead. So Exactly. The other thing that they were complaining about was because Carl did the old uh, LeBron trick where he, when he took the free throw, he followed through and took a step before um, in front of the foul line before the shot went through the hoop. So people yeah. were crying about that also. And it's just like, come on, guys. That's never called. There was a lane violation on every single NBA free throw taken. Every single yeah. one. It, well, it, maybe not a- literally, but like, yeah, a lot of them. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. And the other funny thing, too, is I, I heard this uh, after the game, and somebody was saying that uh, Draymond said something to Cat, like, y'all, aren't you all supposed to be tanking, like, during the game? That's and me. I just love that. <laughs> that Cat was just like, no, we don't tank. I love that mentality, too, though. I've just been so proud of Cat and his progress and seeing his progress and juxtaposing that against Wiggins just validates in my mind how much of a cornerstone cat is. Mm-hmm. And and what I'm nervous, and I was going to get to this too, is while there was a lot of positivity in the, in, the, in the target center that night, you can't help but just worry about cat. And you look at like what Anthony Davis did, and is cat next? Have yeah. you guys discussed that about what? where are we going to go with Cat? What do we need to do to keep Cat here long I try to avoid that conversation. <laughs> yeah, we're all trying to just ignore that. But I will say it did make me super nervous at the All-Star game when he came on the live uh, broadcast and they were asking him, like, hey, Anthony Davis is moving. Um, did you want to talk to Minneapolis at all and, like, assure them of your loyalty to them? And he, like, kind of sucked at assuring his loyalty to us. Like it was horrible. I don't remember exactly what he said, but I was. It made me so nervous. And I, I love Cat, but usually he gives like this cookie cutter answer, and it wasn't even that good. It was like, it, it was subpar. The cookie cutters at least neutral, you know. Yeah, he usually gives. You know, my thing with yeah. Cat is that I definitely get the feeling if you know he's twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven, and the Wolves still are not close that he is definitely going to want out because he wants to win. I mean, at the end mm-hmm. of the day, he he wants to be in the playoffs. He wants to be competing for, for the greatest heights. So it will not surprise me in in four, three, two years <laughs> when he, you know, de- demands a trade. Unless the Wolves take a super dramatic turn upward toward being uh, championship contenders, which is um, not necessarily in the cards, 
uh, let's say. <laughs> no, probably improbable. But yeah, that's the thing is people are like, oh, he just signed that, you know, the, that contract doesn't even kick in the next year. But I'm just like, okay, maybe we'll be good for a couple of years here. But, you know, the clock's ticking right now. Yeah. And that's why this is going to be a huge offseason for them. You know, just to, to look past the season, they got a lot of decisions. And I know, I mean, they don't have a ton of cap flexibility this year, but even these decisions, like, what do you do on Tyus? What do you do on D Rose? Um, you know, the, you know, I, I think Teague's going to opt in, but you know, you probably are going to be keeping Gorgie again. How are you going to short term? It's tough, but I think what's going to be really interesting to see is what this GM, this new, I don't think Layden's sticking around, right? What the new GM what the new GM does and what his perspective is on this, this franchise and whether we, you know, take a step back to get better or if they try to lean in and stay relevant. And I don't, I could see pros and cons to both ways, but it's going to be a really big off season for them. Yeah. You know, I'm glad you brought up the, the cap situation because you're right. It is hairy. It's a really hairy cap situation and they've got such a small amount to work with. There, there is a scenario where Gorgie Jang gets offloaded in the offseason. You know, I don't know how realistic it is, but maybe with, you know, some attachment of picks on Gorgie's contract, we'll be able to get him off of our books. Is that, like, are you are you in favor of the Wolves kind of, like, sacrificing their future to, to try to go all in now while Cat is here and on the deal and invested? Or are you more interested in seeing the Wolves kind of do that, take a step back, and then move forward. Yeah, so I definitely lean towards the latter. Okay. I, I would like to see them take a step back because it's hard to see, you know, um, we're not going to we're not gonna attract the top crop of free agents, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it's either you got to build through the draft or you got to build through, through a trade. And right now, we don't have the assets to to trade real right i mean I, I think if they can get rid of wiggins that's huge in order to get rid of wiggins we're gonna have to get get rid of assets i mean we literally it's gonna take a first round pick at least to get somebody to take on that contract probably right too. so you, you probably too yeah um and so i think you have to first be willing to take a step back and start generating some assets and maybe those assets turn into decent players maybe they become assets for potential trades but it's just tough to look while there are some quality players on this team right now what is their ceiling and maybe if everybody is healthy maybe like i don't know six seed like best case scenario but i don't want to be the six seed right you know i want to go i want to be the three seed i want to be i want to feel like we did again last year and i just don't know how we're going to do that without taking a step back yeah, Beast Mode wants he's tasted one playoff win. Now he wants four. Yeah, that's right. Be jealous. Be greedy. That's what you know. That's the thing here in Minnesota is people just are okay with okay. You know, we're okay with being average. No, want more. Expect more. Yeah. Which I expect more. I will franchise. say I do love the Minnesota uh, fan base because like whenever we lose our stars. We're always we're always so receptive, or we're so like uh, we give them a, a warm exit, and we're like, oh, but KG, hopefully he wins a championship. And like I found myself rooting for Kevin Love when he went to Cleveland, and um, I think that that's something special and actually unique to the Minneapolis fan base is that we understand why you would want to leave our team, <laughs> if it, whether it's weather or whether it's Con or who else. Uh, small market we we get it and so we send you off uh with best wishes always yeah right on as much as we hated to see jimmy butler go i got it you know like it made sense to me and he could have done a better job but i understand why you want to leave you know um i have no loyalty to jimmy but sure oh i believe no i love you know, I, I think one of the most ridiculous statements uttered in the history of the NBA is Jimmy Butler saying that he's a good teammate, right? Didn't they say that in the introductory introductory pod or um, not podcast, but press conference? I would, uh, the, yeah, the, the dude's crazy. But but I also at the same time I get you know whether it's Jimmy or whether it's KG, I, I get it. I understand you want to win, and it's this is a tough place to win. Chalanga, fire on your spur of the moment question that you wanted to ask Beast Mode. 
Okay, beast mode. Off the cuff, I want you to rank the current Timberwolves players 1 to 10. So starting from 1 to 10, who are the, the best, most valuable Timberwolves players? Go. Okay. All right, so obviously start with 1. You'd be Carl Towns. Number two, I think you would have to, i say Robert Covington at this point, for sure. Uh, number three. Ooh, this is, uh, man, number three. <laughs> there's, I think there's a lot of guys you could just say. It, it's tough, too, because you, when you're about, like, you know, you could put, I'd, I'd put Derek Rose on it from a talent perspective in the top five, but Derek Rose he has no I to me he's not a future part of this team right so is it just are we just breaking this on talent it can right be now? from wherever you want it can be uh it can be based on current wolves it can be based on talent it can be based on potential it can be based on future but like just just with your gut like how like what is number three I guess just in your okay. gut right now yeah um don't think about it importance to this franchise I'll, I'll take that perspective so i'll put cat one i'll put um covington two i think three i'd probably put a kogi four i'd put sharich uh five i would put tyus six um uh let's see so six i'd put wig i guess seven um, Teague eight. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is getting bare bones. Taj nine. Uh, Gorgie and ten. Um, who's left? Bates Diop. How about that? Full round of mob. He makes the top ten. Um. Yeah, we we loved him for like two games here, uh, and we hated him at the beginning of the season. But uh, we're starting we're starting to come around on him, see a little bit of potential. I like that. Uh, we had Taj a little bit higher just because Chilenga and I did, just because I think we were kind of going more off of like who's most important to this team right now. But, sure, um, sure, sure. I but, can see that. But I but I like that ranking. I think that literally you could say anything after 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 two is really the right decision. Like you can you can really choose any name there. Uh, maybe even yeah. after Cat. Yeah, but that's what's disturbing a little bit, too, is that there isn't, like, I mean, once you get beyond Covington, kind of like, you have to really think about it. And and I'm honest, I'd argue it's not a good thing that you have to think about. It's kind of like, I think all some of those guys have some definite pros to their game, but it's not like, it. it if you're looking at who's our third option right now, who would you guys say? <laughs> Uh, yeah, because it was Derrick Rose for so long, and then it was Covington, and then it was Derrick Rose again, and then now Jeff Teague's gone. Our third option, like, tomorrow or on Tuesday? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It has to be Wiggins. And I don't know. Yeah, I guess it is. I, I don't know. Who's our second option tomorrow or on Tuesday? Huh. <laughs> <sighs> I, I no, probably is Wiggins. <laughs> um, <laughs> actually, Jared Bayless. What about Jared Bayless? Oh, Jared, of course. Jared Bayless, yeah. <laughs> Who can't play in back-to-backs because he's 90 years old. Yeah, right on. Chalanga, did you had a couple more that you wanted to ask Beast Mode before before we wrap this thing up? I do have a couple more questions. Fire, fire away. So Dylan and I were talking before we got on the podcast, and I think this is kind of a perfect transition because it is it is curious thinking about the importance of, of Timberwolves players. It's so, it's just, I mean, like the Wolves really only have one player that matters. And there are a few players lower on the totem pole that are a little bit, I, I'm, I, this kind of is to discern your, your feelings on these players. So we're going to play a, a fuck, Mary kill. Uh, but we're, we're changing it up a little bit. And how it's going to go is you're going to give a long-term deal to one player, a 10-day contract to one player, and you're going to cut one player. Okay? Okay. All right. So the three players are Tyus Jones, Josh Okogie, and Dario Saric. Wow, this is this is good. I like this. 
I like this a lot. It's tough, right? Yeah. Oh, man. And the thing that we like about this is that it also includes kind of like, oh, how much are you going to have to pay Tyus versus how much are you going to have to pay Josh Okoge or whatever? Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So, hmm. So if I here, I will say this: if I could get if I could get Tyus Jones four years and under thirty million, I would sign him to the lifetime contract. <laughs> the lifetime contract of four the, years, thirty million. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to put it in terms of the uh, of the scenario that we're up against here, I guess um, the ten day contract would then go to Kogi, and then I would cut Sharich. And that sounds weird. Because I actually, I don't know. Some people are down here on Sharich. I still like his offensive potential. I think he's still, so he's still, he's young. I like to give him another year acclimated in this offense and see how he does. Um, again, I think if you, if, if Tyus is not coming, if he, if he wants to four years, 40 million, I think uh, I would sign a Kogi to the life, or is it a lifetime contract or a max contract? Can't remember what we were saying. Long term, so Long-term. whatever that means to you. Long-term Long term could be seven years next year. I think they're going to probably, I think they're probably going to extend the because right now it's five. I think they're probably going to extend that in the, in the next player agreement. Got it. So I would put a Kogi on the long term. I would put uh, Tyus on the ten day, and I'd again cut Charge. And not because I don't like Charge, but he got to he got to kill somebody, right? I get it. I would I'd kill Tyus, and I love Tyus myself. Yeah, so but I'd be I'd be a Kogi long term too, uh, unless I have to give him something crazy like over fifteen or twenty million. So you guys are you guys are both high in a Kogi, right? Oh, well, a Kogi's my son, so I, I do want to pay him. Yo, here's That's my right. here's here's my thoughts on a Kogi is that I think that he could turn out to be the, like the ultimate role player. Like I think he could be one of the most valuable role players in the league at his ceiling and at his floor, he could definitely just be Shabazz Muhammad, um, which is scary, <laughs> but, Deflating. but, but he's I got, disagree on the Shabazz, but he's got like, he, he's got that same level of just like out of control play that Shabazz always had, you know, where it's like, Whoa, if he could like rein it in, he could be really mm-hmm. awesome. The difference is that, Okogi shines on the defensive end of the floor, which is ultimately more val like an out of control offensively player right. who can play really good defense is way more valuable than Shabazz, right? So exactly, you know, I, I've got I've got some hope that he can kind of rein in the offensive side of things. He's also like a super underrated passer. His shooting has dramatically Im- improved over the season, so I got I got hope in Okogi. Right. Thing about Kogi too is it's like seeing, I mean, being a Wolves fan, not seeing a lot of great defense, uh, especially here in the last decade. Seeing Covington come in here and seeing what he can, you know, uh, do, what what's an All NBA Defensive Player looks like, a Defensive Player of the Year, just reminds you like how much of an impact that can make. It, how much some of those things that don't show up in the box score can matter. And that's what I love about Kogi is. Um, you know, you know, he is pretty enigmatic being a rookie, especially on the offense side of court, but that defense, right. Uh, it's definitely promising unless he channels his Andrew Wiggins. Uh, and I don't know if there's a lot of people capable of that. Um, Andrew Wiggins, <laughs> he's Andrew Wiggins, but, uh, I really do. I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing on the defensive side from Kogi as a rookie. Speaking of rookies, here's my question. So it looks like the the Wolves are going to end up somewhere in the 12 to 10 range in the lottery based on record. And then who knows from there when the lottery picks. But let's focus on that 12 to 10 range. I want to hear from you, Beast Mode. What are three college prospects who you think could land in that range and you want the Wolves to sign based on team fit, potential, what type of player you'll think there'd be, uh, especially with the tournament now? What are three you know, upcoming prospects that you think you would like the Wolves to sign? For sure. So I, I definitely, you know, I think for the last five years, we could have talked about how this team needs a wing, this team needs a shooter, this team needs a wing, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I still think and it's another year, and I think they could use a wing. Um, a couple of wings that 
come to mind that I could see that I might be interested is Nasir Little from North Carolina. Uh, he's somebody that I would be interested in. I think the Langford kid from Indiana, a very talented freshman. I, he's somebody that I've seen in that as some uh, could be a low lottery um, kind of guy. And then another player that I would be interested in potentially is this kid out of USC, this Kevin Porter Jr. I've watched a little bit of his tape as well. Um, an impressive guy that I think could fit in well here and slide into number two in a couple of years. Uh, but also point guard. I think that this is a deep, a deep draft at the point guard position. Uh, I, I like Kobe White from North Carolina. I, and, and speaking of North Carolina, I think North Carolina, Roy Williams is great at developing NBA talent. I would love to see one of those two North Carolina freshmen um, come here. And then I obviously we're not going to be a part of the, the Moran sweepstakes, but um, I even think, who knows? I know you guys are big fans of Trey Jones. Could he be here? Not in the end of the lottery, but you never <laughs> second round. Uh, yeah, if Trey Jones slides to the second, I love it. Yeah, I mean, the, the Wolves did trade. They they made a trade to acquire Tyus Jones, so maybe they'll repeat history. Mm. I'm getting a Jonesing. I honestly, like, I don't know if that's the best move for the Wolves as far as, you know, talent acquisition, but from a fan perspective, the Joe Bros, as Dylan has coined it, is mm. really, really uh, appealing. Just two hometown kids, two undersized. Jonesing for the Joneses. Yeah, it's like the only thing we can even really compare that to these days are the Morris twins, right? And they're right. but they're twins. They're both the same age. They're not like it'd be, oh, yeah. it'd be interesting. And they had to be on the same team their whole career too. Right. And then they started crying when they weren't, right? Yeah. One of them threw a fit. Like, <laughs> they got traded. Yep. Yeah. That's hilarious. But, they fucking uh, they share a bank account. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Yeah. But anyway. So yeah, no, I, I I think it's gonna be a huge, and I I hate being in that part of the draft, that low lottery. It's kind of a kind of a, a crapshoot, and you know I know Donovan Mitchell came out of that part of the draft, but uh, you know he's definitely the unicorn in this situation. It's kind of a kind of a tough spot to pick. So we'll see. Maybe this will be the year the balls will pop in our favor. But who am I to say? Yeah, it's the you never know. You know, all. Paul George came in the late lottery. Kawhi Leonard came at 15. So you just never know. You just never, and never know. I think the, the most exciting thing is in the last year, and I'm just counting this last year, we've been drafting pretty well, you guys. <laughs> yeah. No, we haven't. Even look at the I mean, look at Zach Levine. Would you guys rather? Okay, here's the hot, here's the hot debate. Zach Levine or Wiggins? Oh, Zach Levine. I'm going to be a hipster here and say I promise everyone the Coast to Coast pod did not exist back then, but I promise everyone that I actually wanted Wiggins in that Jimmy Butler trade before I wanted Zach Levine in that trade. Smart man. Yeah, it, very smart, smart man. man. And, and to be honest, Wiggins isn't a shooting guard. And he never was, and he doesn't project to be. I think that Zach Levine is a better fit next to Jimmy Butler because Jimmy Butler can't guard guards anyway, so he's going to be in that forward position. I don't know. Uh, but that's just me. See, I'm yeah. so opposite on that. I love Andrew Wiggins at the shooting guard. I think that offensively, the only time he has the advantage is when he's at the shooting guard because his game is so dependent on those like turnaround difficult or turnaround jumpers and off the dribble jumpers. And so when he's matched up against someone who's his height or taller than him, he just completely disappears. But when he's playing against smaller shooting guards, he has, you know, those extra inches to get off his shot. Well, either way, I wanted Zach Levine because he was more exciting for me. True. Ditto. The ACL thing, I think, ruined it. But now that he's back from that, I'm back on the Levine bandwagon. Right on. At least you get more offensive consistency. There's still not much on the defensive end there. Yeah. But, I mean, you know the guy's going to bring it on out. That's what I'm saying. If, if if there's no defense either way, you want to take the guy who's gonna <laughs> who's gonna score. Right. Um, exactly. So this is our Lindsey Whalen honorary. Would you rather? 
And the reason why we picked Lindsay is because when we were doing uh, new Timberwolves coaches, Chalanga was adamant that Lindsay Whalen was actually one of the top prospects at uh, to be the coach of the Timberwolves. <laughs> but we played Would You Rather, and it was like, would you rather have Lindsay Whalen or that? So sure. my Would You Rather is, would you rather have Andrew Wiggins or Josh Okogie on a max deal right now? Hmm. I thought it was going to be uh, the Kemba Walker or Andrew Wiggins. Let's do both. Man. Okay, well, for that one, I thought about this already, and I would have. I would take Kemba, unfortunately, or fortunately. I don't know. I. Uh, oh, God. Oh, yeah, I know. It makes me squirm. Um, yeah, Kemba's so much uh, more money man. and so much older. I know. I know. <laughs> For the same reasons, I would take take Kemba. I would have to take a Kogi over Wiggins um, on that max deal. I think with a Kogi, the thing that he has in his benefit right now is he's less of a known commodity. Right? There's more hope there. I think Wiggins, five years in, um, we know what we're getting a little bit more, and that's why. If I just re-sign him to another max again, man, I don't know. I I, I might have to. Uh, consider throwing my wolves jersey in the garbage can i don't know i couldn't stomach that again again another max but yeah i think i would purely take a kogi over wiggins just by the fact that he's young and it is more uh we don't he's not an established commodity yet and there's there's more hope there's more upside i don't think it'd be a wise investment but that's what i'd pick i think we love that take here at the coast to coast podcast i love it beast mode where can we find you on the twitter and insta sphere Oh, absolutely. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I don't even know what Twitter handle is these days. I think it's at, uh, at Kyle Stowe. Yeah, Kyle Stowe. That's my uh, my nickname. Uh, of course, my real name is Beast Mode. But, uh... <laughs> Ocho Cinco style. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Ocho Cinco style. But, uh, yeah, you can find me there. Find lots of hot takes, hot retweet, and retweets. S-T-O-W-E. Uh, Kyle... That's right. Thank you so much for joining us. When are we going to see you again? Are you going to come back for a little draft thing, or is there anything else that you want to talk about uh, be in before we wrap up the year? I'm here for you guys, all right? So you let me know when you need me next. Hey, there. How about yeah. that? Why, we, we would we, love you to be we our – We need some written words. Yeah, absolutely. I can provide those services as well. I'll get my people in touch with your people. Oh, hell right. yes. Hell yes. All right, thank you so much, Beast Mode. This is the Coast to Coast NBA podcast. Don't forget to follow us on the socials on Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA, on Instagram at Coast to Coast NBA pod. Send us an email at Coast to Coast NBA at gmail.com. Thank you to Tony B sending us an email. We'll be back. Uh, mm. we'll, res- we'll be Thank responding you, to you B. very soon. Don't worry, Tony B. Uh, <laughs> please download, subscribe. Listen and recommend to your friends, yo. I know y'all got friends. Like, if you're listening to this, you probably got a friend who would also like to listen to this. So let them know about it so that we could get some more listeners. And if you're just here for Beast Mode, just download. Download all of them because it helps us. It really does. You don't even have to listen to us like wax poetic because I know that we can be boring sometimes. But just do do the download. Do it for Beast Mode. Do it for us. Do it for the goodness of the world. That's right. All right. Thanks again to Beast Mode. Thanks, Dylan, for hosting this episode. We are. Oh, my goodness. You're the best. We're out of here. We're spreading the words grassroots here, right? Grassroots.